Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. Hey everybody, Justin here. Just a quick note, uh, the first four minutes of the interview with Andy, his audio dropped off, so we're not able to hear him say hello and ask uh, one question. Um, what he says is uh, he's going to be uh, checking one item off of his Christmas list, and then you'll hear that. But other than that, um, it picks up after four minutes and everything should be synced up fine. So enjoy this nice interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Epic Tales from the Sewers. I am your host, Justin, and with me today is Andy. Andy, say hello. We have a very special guest today. We are introducing Mr. Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo. How you doing? <laughs> what a fanfare. dudes! What's happening? And uh, I don't know how to follow that, Andy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely checks that box. Thanks for joining us today on the show. Um, what we do is a lot of times we talk about the comics and we go through issue by issue. We talk about stories and all that. And um, we have been delving into lately a lot of uh, cartoons. And that's why you kind of came up and... Uh, a lot of the people in our Facebook group, uh, Epic Shells, consider you to be the definitive voice of Michelangelo. <laughs> well, that's, that's very kind. Yeah, there have been a lot of voices of uh, Mikey over the years, for sure. But uh, I have the distinct uh, privilege and pleasure of uh, being the first one. So uh, that's fun. You, you've left that imprint, I guess, on, on most people. So I, I, It seems so, yeah. <laughs> I know Andy has some questions that he is rearing to ask you, so I sure. will uh, I will defer to Mr. Andy Doyle here. All right, Andy, uh, are, are we've you lost okay? Andy? Andy, <laughs> Andy, yeah, Andy, I think fainted uh, over there in Maryland. It's it's okay. I'll I'll uh, continue with this. So uh, we were talking a little bit off air about conventions. So I'll just mention I actually had the pleasure of meeting you at uh, Wizard World about maybe two years ago oh, in no August. Okay. So um, I was uh, I was talking to you. We ended up talking about the tick, and you told me how you voiced um, Midnight, and it was myself and my girlfriend there, and we were, we were talking to you. It was about a 15-minute conversation, and there was these two kids that were just, like, waiting behind me in line while we were having this awesome conversation. I thought, I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is the most generous guy ever who's having this great conversation with someone about – something completely just off the wall. And, and like these two guys are just like, they were content to just sit and wait while we had this conversation. Cause they were just like glomming off of it, but it was, it was so great. Oh, that's cool. That's a fun, fun memory. Yeah. I love meeting you guys at, at cons. Gosh, the, the, the fan base for Ninja Turtles and for the tick as well. Um, one of the most wonderful batches of uh, people I've ever met just down to earth, genuine, um, had just a lot of fun. So, uh, thanks for saying that. 
Yeah, and we, we run across that too. It's like uh, Turtles fans, as opposed to like, like uh, say, Marvel fans or something like that, just like different as, as a group, we're the type that will like, will help you move. You know, it's like, oh yeah, right. I'll help you out. Or, you know, right. if there's ever something, it's like, oh, um, you know, I, I need some help with this. Like Turtles fans have that sense of community I've noticed, which is just, it's kind of an interesting anomaly among fans. Well, it's interesting you say that because uh, that's the way I feel about voice actors. You know, in in the entertainment industry, as you know, as opposed to uh, face actors, you know, on camera people, um, and and I mean, obviously, this is a really gross generalization. But my experience in the forty plus forty five years that I've been doing this um, voiceover thing um, is, is that the people in the voiceover community are are just the most down to earth, uh, genuine, real people uh, that, that you'll ever meet. Um, not saying that on camera actors aren't, but I've noticed over the years that they tend to be a little, um, a little more stuck up, <laughs> if you will. And, uh, and so thanks for saying that. Yeah. I, lo- I love talking to fans at, uh, at cons. And that's definitely the perception I think that, that the fans have. Uh, I've never seen anybody say a bad thing about a voice actor where it's like, you know, you could have an experience with, you know, coming across someone, um, you know, and, and, um, you know, like an on-screen actor and you don't really have a great experience and everybody has bad days, but you know, it's just one of those things. It, it seems like they're less grateful, you know, I don't, I don't know, just my opinion. Yeah, well, you said it. I, I mean, sometimes I get the the sense that they don't get it. It's they don't get the fact that they're the luckiest people on the planet. It's like, dude, you get to do this for a living, and you make a lot of money doing it. And these people are coming to see you. They're paying a lot of money to come and see you and get your autograph and and all that. Is how about just showing a, a little grace and you know and a, a little uh, uh, a little friendliness here. Um, the the uh, number one exception is Henry Winkler, who is an absolute treasure oh, yeah. of a human being. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I've worked for Henry actually uh, in really? the past. Yeah, years ago when I was uh, when I was the uh, comedy voice of NBC, um, ABC was doing a uh, I think it was a twenty fifth anniversary special of Happy Days or maybe twentieth anniversary, um, and he was producing it. And he hired me to um, to voice uh, to do the voiceover on this thing, and boy, he he couldn't have been more down to earth and 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 real and and just easygoing and fun and friendly, yeah. So so now I, now I know that you've worked with Donnie Most too, so uh-huh. or Don Most I guess as he goes by now, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, back on the Teen Wolf cartoon, which right. I didn't realize I was so into that as a youngster. <laughs> what the te- uh, Teen Wolf? Absolutely. It the was, uh, I, I love that show. The cartoon. Yes. Ah, how about that? Yeah. That was a fun one to do because I got to work with, uh, Donnie most and, uh, you know, that that was very early in my career. And so working with somebody who was famous, you know, was a lot of fun. Uh, but the real thrill of that for me was, um, working with June Foray. Um, because June, you know, I grew up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle, of course. And, you know, oh, of course, the voice you know, of Rocky, right? Right, yeah. And, and so June played my grandmother in Teen Wolf. And so getting to work with her and Stacy Keach Sr., uh, I was a big fan of his his son, Stacy Keach's uh, career. And and so getting to work with uh, Stacy Keach's dad, Stacy Keach Sr., um, 
uh, was a big thrill too. He played my grandfather. Uh, June Foray played my grandmother, and uh, uh, you know Donnie Most was in the show. Jerry Hauser was in the show. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was just a, a really fun cast. And, and I know I know our Andy. Don't kill me because I'm talking about te- Teen Wolf, but it's it's one of those things where it's the first can, time that I saw. Me? Yeah, I can hear you. We can hear okay, you. My headset totally just like cut off. I've been trying to get back on and I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the conversation you guys had going. I missed just such a little bit. And I think there's some feedback uh, uh, in there. Okay. I'm trying to. We we got you, buddy. We'll, we'll get um, you can ask the next question. I just I just wanted to mention one more thing. <laughs> um, Teen Wolf was the first cartoon that I saw that dealt with things like puberty. And right. it was like one of those things that you could like actually go back to and you're like, oh, that makes sense, you know, with with this. So, yeah, 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 exactly. A teen, teen Wolf was uh, Teen Wolf was was just great fun to do. I remember um, uh, seeing it on on the air on CBS, uh, the very first episode and and just, you know, when that theme song came on and the howl and and uh, the music it was just since uh, just chills up my spine. It was, it was just a, a really cool intro and, and a really fun show to do. Um, you know, it, it, like every show when it gets, gets canceled, it, you know, it broke my heart. You know, I would have loved to have seen that continue. It, it's funny too, because I think by the time turtles had come around, I already knew your voice from, you know, Fraggle Rock which is like my ultimate favorite thing in the world uh, from Teen Wolf and, and like some of the other stuff. And I started to place this. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that voice. And I hear Burn Thompson and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, Burn Thompson isn't me. Or, oh, no. no um, who am I thinking of then? Burn Thompson is Pat Fraley. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Not not Burn then. Um, Rat King. Rat King. Yeah. Sorry. Sim- similar yeah. color hair, I suppose. But. Yeah. 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 I always get them confused. Burn Thompson and Rat King. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, Rat King was uh, one one of the uh, the other two sort of semi main characters that I did on Turtles. The other was uh, Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, wow, that's rabbit. that is such an iconic character, and we're such fans of that. Like the the Stan Saki comic, we're we're going to be getting into that on the podcast soon. But um. Man, I I read those things and I I could just reread the same issues over and over. They're just so good. Yes. Have you ever had a chance to read them or? No, I no, I, I was never a comic book um, collector or reader uh, really much as a kid. Um, I mean, I've seen them. I actually have probably a couple episodes that were um, signed by Stan. Uh, Stan Sakai is uh, uh, again just a, a a really you know gifted artist and a wonderful storyteller. And a terrific human being. Um, seen him a couple of times at cons. Yeah. Great, Mr. Andy. Did you uh, you want to pipe up here? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we always we always get this one out of the way probably pretty early on. Favorite pizza topping? <laughs> you, you mean in in real life or Michelangelo's yes. there? In real life, I'm 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 pretty basic. Just. Uh, Mushroom, sausage, and onion for the most part, but it always has to have extra cheese and a thin crust. So that 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 would be my ideal pizza, and maybe some onion, maybe some black olives, but maybe a little pepperoni. And then we're getting into the area of just getting a, you know, a mondo pizza with just everything on it. 
But, see, I, I'm, I'm with you. My kids love black olives, so we usually get an extra can and dump it on. So, right. Uh, do your Bad. kids put the black olives on their fingers? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kid doesn't? What adult doesn't? I mean, what? I was like, what I do, do too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question, Andy. Well, I, I, I have a question for you. Um, how do yeah. you think the tick would like the turtles? Well, chum, I'll tell you. You see, the turtle... I'm sorry. The who? <laughs> well, they would be in the sewers, um, probably with a sewer urchin. <laughs> Ooh, stinky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right. It'd be fun to see the a mashup of the, the tick and turtles, for sure. I th- yeah, I, th- I think so. Your, your turn, Andy. Oh, okay. Uh, what was your, uh, what was your favorite job or, you know, your favorite voice, your, your favorite character to play, I guess. You mean in, of all the animation that I've done? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which well, one did you enjoy your time on the most? It, that's always, you know, I mean, that's like Sophie's choice, man, having to come up <laughs> with one, but I, I, I would say probably the tick, uh, was was my fave uh, of the cartoons that I did with Michelangelo, of course, being a, a super close. I mean, maybe it's a tie between them. What I loved, what I loved about, I love the goofiness of of Michelangelo and the camaraderie with the the turtles and and uh, you know the whole vibe of the turtles. I loved. I loved the character of Michelangelo. Um, but there was something about the Tick that was so off the wall and so bizarre, and and so just wacky to me that it made him a really, really fun character to play. In fact, I, I, in fact, I just told Ben Edlin this last week. Um, we were, we did a, uh, we did a, a, an on-air, uh, uh, on-camera, uh, zoom thing with all three ticks. So we had me and Patrick Warburton and Peter Serafinowicz. And, uh, and then a bunch of other cast members from the three versions of The Tick. And so we did this two-hour thing, two-and-a-half-hour thing last weekend. And, and I got a chance to tell Ben that one of my favorite parts about recording The Tick was when I would show up at a session and they'd hand us our scripts. We would then go through our scripts and highlight our lines and you know read through it and get a, a general sense of where the story was going before we would go into the studio and actually rehearse and record. And whenever I would, they'd give me my script, I would read the whole thing and highlight my lines until I got to that very last page or two that had the ticks rant on it. (laughs) And and then I would stop. I wouldn't read it. I, I didn't highlight those lines. I didn't circle them. I didn't even read them because I wanted to read them out loud for the first time in the studio when we were recording because, because I discovered that they were so hilarious to me that when I read them the first time and they came out of my mouth the first time without having read them prior, um, they, it was, it always had a fresh um, sort of surprised feel to it um, to me. And, and, and so those are always the takes that they would end up using. Um, and, and so it was stuff like that, that, that made recording the tick, such a blast and, and doing that character, such a blast. And, uh, you know, I, I was grieved of course, when it was canceled after three seasons. Um, but I think that that was a, 
the, an error that Fox made, um, putting it on Saturday mornings with in the Fox Kids block, uh, and not putting it up on Sunday nights next to The Simpsons, or you know before The Simpsons or after The Simpsons. Um, I think it would have had a much longer life had they done that. It was definitely before its time, and you know when they they came out with that uh, Warburton series, I think they dumped that on Thursday nights. So yeah. they, they did kind of the same the same thing. Yeah, and it just didn't get a chance to you know develop uh, a real following and 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 get get its legs and get going. So, I think they only did like nine or ten episodes or something. So yeah, they literally right. they literally pulled the tick off too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. But its head remains, <laughs> and it's still sucking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny too because that's one of those shows that I found like uh, my true friendships in life. We go back and we quote that. Right. Like I have a friend who will just go, "I'll call you speak because that's what you do," or <laughs> "Not in the face, not in the face." You know, like that's that's the thing. Just like little wooden boy, you know, <laughs> little wooden boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, don't count your weasels before they pop, dink. <laughs> I love it. Take that, that, Barry. One of my my favorite things about doing cartoons is one one of the things you always look forward to as as an animation actor is you hope that they make an action figure of your of your character. Oh, so. So, of course, in the case of Ninja Turtles, there have been a billion Michelangelo figures made over the years. And um, but when the tick came out, um, they they started putting out some pretty pretty cool pretty keen uh action figures <laughs> but the best one was the 16 inch talking tick that they had me record the voice for and uh and i'll never forget that session it was just doing like uh four, four or five or six phrases um that i had to do the whole thing took like 10 minutes um but when the toy finally came out and i went to toys r us to buy a couple of them it was such a rush it was such a blast to me and I happen to have him right here. It's a little foot. Does it spawn? You face the tick. Keen. Does it spawn? You face the tick. Spawn. There we go. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I had the little one that goes, or maybe not. Like, I had that one. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so to answer, I mean, that that's a long roundabout way of, of just saying that yeah, I probably enjoyed doing the tick uh, more more than uh, any of the other characters. But I got to say, every character I've ever done, I've just had a blast with. Whether it was, you know, um, Scott on Teen Wolf or or uh, uh, Waldo on Where's Waldo or 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 any of them. I'll, I'll tell you, actually, one of the one of my favorite voices that I ever did was actually not really even a voice per se. But you guys remember the uh, Seven Up Dot, uh, the yeah. Red Seven Up Spot. Cool spot. Yeah, cool spot. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, I did the cool spot for about uh, seven years. And, no kidding. And, yeah, I had that for the second time. I got, I got that video game for Christmas, I think, yeah. one year. Yeah, I did. I did Genesis. I never yeah. collected all the spots. Yeah, I did the I did the the video games. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. just, just looking at the stuff that you've done, it's like the who's who, but one that, that kind of just uh, jumped out to me uh, most recently was uh, you were in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a blast. I did that last year. And uh, boy, when I got that audition, I thought, ooh, wouldn't this be a wouldn't this be a fun one to get to be able to do a Tarantino film? And I booked it and I was, and I was like shocked off my legs. And, uh, and I remember going in and doing that, um, doing that recording session over in Hollywood. And, uh, and it was just, it was just like one of the coolest gifts that I had been given, you know, it was such a treasure to be able to sit there with, uh, the guy who was, um, who was actually, uh, Tarantino's, um, cinematographer and, uh, and audio, um, uh, uh, sound designer on the films. Uh, and these two guys, um, were just amazing to work with and work for. And, uh, and, and so when that movie came out, I couldn't wait to go see it. Uh, went and saw it over at the, um, Cinerama Dome over in Hollywood. And, and I didn't know where my part was going to come in because I was doing the, the, uh, intro to the, I was the voice, uh, on the intro to the FBI, uh, from the sixties. And, and, uh, and, and so when I auditioned for this thing, I had to listen to the original and then try and match his voice. And, uh, and I apparently got close enough that they booked me. And so I didn't know where it was going to show up in the film. And so it ended up not being, you know, fairly close to the end of the movie. And so I'm watching this, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't stand this. You know? And then when I finally heard it, I was like, no way. That's so awesome. It was, it was a rush. Yeah. Being able to do that for sure. Your, your experience is actually outlined in that movie when, you know, uh, she goes to see the movie and then she tells yes. people, I'm in this, and I'm in I, this. And dude, <laughs> Dude, Justin, I thought that as I was watching the movie, uh, watching, yeah, her character um, sitting in the movie watching herself. And I'm like, no way. I'm sitting here in the movie watching myself. That's so cool. Listening to myself. But yeah, it was a that was a rush uh, getting to do that for sure. That's awesome. That's that's really great. Um, we, we wanted to ask you. So speaking of, of uh, kind of gritty things that are going on with, you know, um, movies and things like that. Have you gotten into the last Ronin at all? Have you heard anything about this? I have not. I'm not even sure if I've heard of it. It sounds kind of familiar, but no, I've not gotten into it at all. All right. So this is the um, it's the latest turtle comic that came out based on a story that was from maybe 30 something years ago with uh, Eastman and Laird. And um, it, it uh, involves one turtle that survived and the rest of them have perished and one turtle is left. Oh, so knowing your knowing your versatility where where you could mimic these voices and all that. Um, there was uh, some of the questions in like a recent um, uh, like I guess it was like a, a video live stream that like Eastman and Laird was doing. And um, a lot of people had thought that you would be a great person to do the voice of the Ronin. So oh. without giving away the identity of who he is to, to do spoilers, <laughs> but you could do any of them. So. Ah, right, so are you saying that I get to be the last Ronin? <laughs> you could, yeah. Ah, that's great. Okay, so here he is. Hi, guys. I'm here. I know I'm the last one. I'm late. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I signed up to be a Ronin, and apparently I'm, like, the last one. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, like boy. gym class in high school. <laughs> What's that? It's just like gym class in high school. Always the last one, right? Always the last one. Yeah. And I didn't mean it. I just couldn't get my jack strap on right. <laughs> okay. So, right there, Andy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so now, now instead of reading it in the gravelly Clint Eastwood voice, now I'm going to have to read the last word in the voice. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to read it and go, oh, that's what he sounds like. Okay. Um, okay. Well, Ronan here. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I'm late. <laughs> oh man, I don't even. Know. How do you follow that, Andy? I don't know. I I I don't know. I've got a. I've got one down here because I know the whole thing with. It, there was there was the talk of you know you were going to be Mikey or maybe Leo. Um, right. If if they did approach you to do the turtles again, is it like you always hold out for Mikey, or would you finally want that shot to be Leo? Or any of the turtles, really? Oh, you know what? Uh, uh, honestly, Andy, it wouldn't make any difference to me. And 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 I'll tell you, uh, 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 frankly, uh, I did for the uh, 2012 series uh, where Rob was um, uh, Donatello. Uh, I actually auditioned for Raphael in that um, and didn't get it. Um, but it was, it was easy for me to see why I just, and I won't, yeah. I won't, I won't get into it, but the, the audition went not as well as I would have liked only because it was, it happened to be a, a bad, it was a bad hair day for me. And yeah. by hair day, I don't mean hair per se, but it was just, it was a, it was a bad time. It was a bad day at a bad time in my life. And it was pouring rain outside and things weren't going so well for me. And I had to show up for this audition in not a great state of mind. And, and so I went in, met them, read for Raphael and, yeah, and that was the last I heard of it. What's that? I'm sorry. What'd you say, Andy? Looks like we've lost Andy again. No, the phone. Okay, so I'm recording on my phone, and it goes to sleep every so often, and it just completely cuts my mic off. No, I was making the uh, a little too raff joke. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> he came in. He came in. You know, we need you to be mad. Oh, I'm mad. All right, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was doing this same voice too, and they didn't seem to like it. I didn't. That wasn't Raphael for them, so I saved it for Ronan. <laughs> 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 it's funny because I pick up on a little bit of Barney Gumble there. <laughs> Don't cry for me. I'm already dead. <laughs> so, so who is your best impression then? If, if uh, you oh, had dude, to think don't even go there. Don't even go there. Cause <laughs> I am, I am not an impressionist by any stretch of the imagination. Well, your tick was good. <laughs> well, my tick was why, why, thank you. Yeah, I could do that one pretty good because I am him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm terrible at impressions. I can sometimes do a voice match. The only, the only voice match besides what we were just talking about for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the only voice match that I ever booked was uh fraggle rock you mentioned fraggle rock earlier and i did the voice of gobo on that in the um nbc animated uh series which only lasted one season yeah um, there there was only like 13 episodes i think right and and uh, of course fraggle rock had been on uh on cable at the time as uh as a muppet version of it you know and uh 
And but the, apparently the uh, puppeteers, the Muppeteers, uh, didn't want to do the um, the voices for the animated show, and uh, or they couldn't uh, contract them or something. I, there was some reason that they were replacing all of them, and and so I auditioned for it and ended up booking the the role of Gobo on it. Um, Ah, oh, Wembley, your rock dust allergies all in your head. Oh, We're going to go exploring in outer space with my uncle traveling Matt. That's so awesome. Come on, you <laughs> want to go with this, you guys? Yeah, so uh, Gobo was a lot of fun to do, and I was uh, surprised when I booked that because not being an impressionist or a, a voice matcher, and I remember showing up at the sessions, the early sessions for that one, having to have, you remember the little Walkmen? Uh, oh yeah, cassette uh, portable. Did they cassette come in players. any color other than yellow? Like, <laughs> what's that? The 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 Walkmans. Did they come in any colors other than yellow? Like, I remember well, well, I had a yellow one. <laughs> yeah, well, back in the early days when they first came out, yes, they did. And uh, so I had a little Walkman with um, with the Gobo's voice on it from the uh, from the Muppet Show, and uh, or the Muppet uh, version of it, and. Um, the actor's name was Jerry Nelson. And so I would um, have little earbuds in uh, and would play a sample line of his right before I had to do a line uh, just so I could get that cadence and that accent and the pitch of the voice um, and and try and get the feel of it. And, And so that was the first couple of episodes were really tough for me because I felt like I wasn't able to really dial in the voice as much as I, I wanted to be able to, but, but uh, eventually it came around. And um, again, another great cast on that, you know, working with Robbie Paulson on that. He was a uh, uh, Marjorie, the trash heap and uh, boober and uh, yeah, a bunch of other characters. Um, Bob Bergen was on that as Wembley. And yeah, it was terrific. Yeah, we so, we um we dive deep into most of the stuff that you've done because it's it's such a part of you know just our our lives. Like I watch Fraggle Rock with my kids. I watch Turtles with my kids. My kids wanted to do martial arts because of Ninja Turtles, and it's it's always been like such a a huge bonding part for us. Okay, dude. Now I've got a question for you. So, like, when you watch the Turtles with your kids, like what version? Because there have been like a lot of versions of the Ninja Turtles, and Never mind the fact that we were the first ones, the original ones. Hello. But like when you watch it with your kids, do you, do you like watch the original one or do you watch like the one that's on TV now? Well, it's it's funny because we do watch the uh, 2B TV Totally Turtles channel, which I think you actually voice as well. What's that? Uh, yeah. You're one? listening to the 2B Turtles, you know, like the Totally Turtles channel. Like, I'm pretty sure that's you too. But, um, that's a great question. We started out with the 2012 series because they were they were young and that was on TV. Mm-hmm. We've watched all the series, including like the 2003 series. We've watched all the movies together. But what do they go back to? They go back to season one of the 1987 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as their as their favorite, and then the uh, 2012 series. Well, so. that's totally bodacious, dude. I love the fact that these kids in 2020 actually watch. A show from 1987? That's that's bodacious. That's mondo bodacious. That's totally radical, dudes. <laughs> oh, I love wow. it. 
That's just so good. I mean, maybe, maybe, and that's the thing too. It's like back then in the eighties, they weren't necessarily like pulling punches on kids. You know, it's like, you can see, oh, there's a character smoking. Oh, that happens in real life. You know, (laughs) and they're not trying to water it down. So it's just, it's truer to what they know as their reality. Right, right. I do a little segment on the Facebook group called Streetlight Spotlight. It's every, every Saturday or Sunday night, I pick a turtle product and I review it, and I think I kind of dug myself into a hole because uh, with the Ronin review, I was like, I don't want to give it, I don't want to give it a ten, I don't want to set this standard, but I did. I totally set. I measure all other turtle-related movies, comics, or not so much comics, but the cartoons off of the eighty-seven because you know I was born in September of eighty-seven, and I guess my parents saw it and thought, you know, yeah, yeah, when he's a little older, he'll love this. So, you know, sure enough, I had all the toys every christmas you know the, oh, the, man. the vhs i mean there's probably that thing's probably got a whole war in it but now, that, now that, that was the so, voice of my childhood yeah right right so andy when you were collecting these toys as a kid and you got older and, <laughs> as a kid and and you and you moved out as a kid <laughs> did uh did did you keep all your toys your your original toys or did your mom toss them my parents got me like those. They got me like the wrestle, the wrestlers. I had the the ring. I had the technodrome. I had all kinds of stuff. And I was, I was pretty hard on toys as a kid. Um, they didn't throw them out. I'm not sure where they ended up because, in fact, the only action figures I have from the original line is my Frankenstein Mikey. Um, oh wow! The lion and bullseye. And, oh no, walkabout. I had walkabout. That was okay. it. And with the rule as a kid, they got me, don't get me wrong, they got me all kinds of characters. The only rule was you can't get another, like if I got original Mikey, I couldn't get Sewer Spitting Mikey or uh, uh, the Skies Donnie or, you know, Space Cadet Raphael. It was like, you got <laughs> you got one and that was it. But then Just like I one- said, you know, You can have one Michelangelo and that's all, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, you 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 can't wear that sewer spitting Michelangelo shirt. You already have the original. But Malibu Stacy has a new hat. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell you when. You know, I was mentioning earlier about uh, the the cool thing about doing cartoon characters is seeing them come out with action figures of your character. You know, and back then we would also, you know, we'd also, uh, you know, just pray that our action figures would sell well. Because if they sold well, it meant that your character probably wouldn't get killed off or canceled ah. or something written out of the show. But well, um, but I remember when Ninja Turtles came out and they started coming in and Playmates Toys started coming out with Ninja Turtles action figures. Of course, you know, I went to Toys R Us and started snapping them up and uh, sticking. I got one of these big uh, Ninja Turtles trunks. I don't know if you've got. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. So I've got we a couple. Those. So I got a couple of those. And so I started putting them in these trunks and they were just coming out with so many figures because my goal at that time was to get one of everything that they came out with. So, because I was going to collect them all and just save them and never open them. And I thought this would be, you know, cool to hand down to my kids someday. Well, you know, after, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even a full year or maybe two years or something of doing this every time, you know, I hear about a new toy come out. I go to Toys R Us and check the rack and see what I didn't have and pick up a copy of it. And it got to the point where I felt like I was going every other day 
to pick up another Ninja Turtles toy. And it, it became really clear to me pretty quickly that there was no way I was going to be able to keep up with it. And so I finally just ended up, you know, stopping and, you know, wherever I, wherever I was. So I've still got these trunks full of Ninja Turtles toys, uh, you know, tucked away in storage somewhere, but, uh, but finally had to give up on, on my idea of getting one of everything that just wasn't going to happen. That's funny that you say about wanting to be an action figure, because oddly enough, Justin and myself, uh, one of the artists of the group, drew us as action figures, and we're on like the, oh, yeah. the Teenage Mutant Turtle blister pack, and the weapons rack has, you know, the podcast equipment rather than than weapons. Wait, what are you talking about? Did he, did they actually make a, a make literally make physical action figures of you guys? No, the no. Uh, box art of it that that'll probably come at some point, but. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. With 3D, with 3D printing, yeah, we probably could get someone to like 3D print sure. us. Sure, you could. Yeah, it'd be super figures. easy. I don't know about action, but definitely figures. But oh, yeah, like you guys should do that. Up. You totally should do that. That'd be a blast. Well, and you can have a two-part posable beard. Yeah, <laughs> people do love the beard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I all- I saved all of my. Uh, turtles and i i think i had up until they started getting like really weird like up until like the the i remember the sumo wrestler with the tattoos that was as far as i got and i'm like all right i think i'm done at this point but i saved them all gave them to my kids so i pull my trunk out of storage right when they're getting into it and it was just like oh my god dad you have the blimp you you have the party wagon you have this and i'm like yes and i just put my hands on my hips and, and stood up like the greatest dad ever at that point, because they were like, Oh my God, you have the card series. I'm like, yes, go at it, kids. Oh. <laughs> and and, and, and Justin, know. were they all, were they all open in the trunk <laughs> so that the kids could play with them? Or did you keep them sealed up? I have impulse issues. I could not live my life with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, these are, these are the ones it's like from, I got it for Christmas in like 1987 and 1988 and all that. Okay. So my sure. Michelangelo had like two left feet. It was hilarious, but um, it's, it's one of those things like I had these from when I was a kid and then to be able to pass them on to them and them really enjoy them. Yeah. You know, and like to this day, it's like, there's, there's a, a Donatello and a Michelangelo on their desk when they're doing homework. That's it's like, so that's great. huge to me. You know? Yeah, no kidding. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things I love about uh, meeting meeting fans like you guys at, at cons is when I see the families come in and they're all dressed in Ninja Turtles outfits. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I mean, the whole family, you know, mom and dad and, and uh, you know, all three or four kids and a baby in the stroller in the Ninja Turtles outfit. Um, it's just it's just great, you know, to to see the the love that the adults now have who were kids you know seven eight nine years old back in 1987 and and as adults now um you know still into it and they they married somebody who is uh either into it or at least puts up with it. <laughs> that is an accurate statement townsend <laughs> yeah puts up with their their love of ninja turtles and uh you know and then they they all show up at, at cons you know, all the whole family in costume. It's, it's just amazing. I love, love, love that. It's so cool. Now, now I, I feel pressure to show up as the tick or, or probably built more like Arthur, uh, but <laughs> you know, at well, the do next yourself, con. Do yourself a favor. Let me, let me just give you a little tip here. If you ever do that and show up at a con and cosplay as Arthur, 
just make sure that your white spandex suit isn't so tight that we know what religion you are. Oh yeah, yeah, no worries about that. <laughs> because we we did we did a, a con up in Calgary, Canada at one point and there was this duo, the Tick and Arthur, uh in, in cosplayers who were these costumes were so great. They were so fantastic. And they looked like they stepped right out of the the cartoon. They were hilarious. But the guy <laughs> who, who was dressed up as Arthur, his white spandex suit was so snug that you can uh, count the change in a pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It just left nothing to the imagination. And <laughs> he wanted to get a picture with us. And so I I have this famous photo now that uh <laughs> like just duck so. down guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I would do if if I ever was going to do the tick, I would do uh, the tick with the mustache because that was probably one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a that well, listen, we could get into great episodes of the tick and they all had just hilarious themes and hilarious lines like you were saying, you know, quoting them back and forth. You know, the the audience for that show back when we were on the air in the mid 90s was was really mostly I've discovered over the years, like guys who were in college and, oh, okay. or college age guys um, back then, uh, who are the ones that really gravitated toward that show. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I could see that working, like you're saying, on like a like a animation domination Fox now, or maybe totally. like an Adult Swim. Yep. You know exactly, exactly. Because if they had. If they had done that, if they had, you know, thought to put it up in a block like that, I, I think that, well, not that it could still be on the air, but we certainly could have gone more than three seasons. Um, well, Animaniacs came back, so right. I mean, maybe maybe we can get a resurgence on Amazon of the animated series, you know, uh, because well, I they wish. just didn't give me enough. I wish. Did you see the uh, Amazon Prime um, series, the version of The Tick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was wonderful. And, yeah, that um, was, that was big fan of on. the boat, <laughs> of the boat of danger boat. <laughs> danger boat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Danger boat. He, that's Alan Tudyk, man. He, he's, he's just, he's terrific, uh, doing that. And, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and Ben Edlin, the creator of the show was uh, kind enough to in, involve me, include me in that, uh, in that series in the first, uh, in the first season. So that was a lot of fun. I, I had a chance at the con to talk with uh, one of the comic writers, uh, Cullen Bunn, who really fleshed out kind of like the the origin of the tick and all that. Right. And, and it's it's one of those things. Like I know we talk about turtles a lot, but like in, just for for a chance to talk about the tick, tick fans are super into everything that's about the tick. Tell you know, me about it. They're intense. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, they are. It was pretty great. Yeah. You know, it was just like, and just for him to come out, he's like, yeah, I'm a fan, but I did this and, and I, I wrote this and he was just like super into it. I'm like, wow. And you're the guy who's telling the story. Right. It's such an interesting sort of uh, uh, experience for me. Cause I, I'm just like this, this lowly guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, writing an article on this. And he's like, let me tell you about the tick. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must've been, that must've been crazy. Um, uh, yeah, and meeting tick fans at cons is is pretty nutty too because without fail they all have their favorite lines that they they <laughs> they quote. 
you know, and seeing some of these guys and they all want to do them for you, which is great. Oh, you know, and I did I, it. I just did for you. Yeah. And then I, totally I get, get it. it. And then I get a chance to, you know, sort of recreate it for them too, as, as the tick. But um, what kills me sometimes is, is some of the guys that'll come up to me and, and they'll do like a whole tick monologue. It's not like just one line. And I can't remember these things, you know, I wish yeah. I could because there were so many great tick speeches um, in that show. But the guys that come up and, and do the, you know, like a, a full on, you know, tick rant at the end of an episode, <laughs> it just, they just, they kill me. And, and they remind me of how great the writing was on that show. You know, not like I have to be reminded because, you know, I, it just is so burned into my, into my brain, but um, yeah, but I, I wish I had a better memory uh, to be able to remember lines and and do them for fans just off the cuff because you know it, it they're so fun to do but i just i never remember them <laughs> it's okay i think i think your ronin will live forever in our memory so <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> yeah you know because i figure ah <laughs> uh, come on you guys uh, <laughs> it's not so like they- i i didn't really sign up to be a ronin i just I just entered a contest and I won the thing and I I don't even ask me how I it started cuz I don't know. So maybe we, uh maybe with uh supernatural ending maybe uh Ben will get back into some tick stuff hopefully. Yeah. Well, uh, like I was saying, we just did this three tick uh sort of reunion thing last weekend and and it was great. And I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, there was always talk when we were doing the show back in the nineties that of doing an animated feature. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And it, at one point looked like it was getting pretty close to being a done deal, which of course I was excited about. And then it ne- never happened. And then the tick got canceled and then he went on it and did these live action versions. And so I don't know if that's something that would still be in the offing. Um, maybe something Ben is kicking around in his, his noggin um, or not. But I would hope so. I, well, listen, you and me both. I, I, would, <laughs> I would love to. And, 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 I, and hopefully I would be involved, in it, you know, because there's no guarantees. Listen, I've seen friends who have done iconic characters and then they do a remake and they don't use the original guy. They recast it with, you know, a celebrity. Uh, which always seems to happen. But. They tried to do that with the Star Trek animated series, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, luckily Leonard Nimoy stood up and said, "Hey, I'm not going anywhere without these guys." Yep. Yeah. So, I know my voice acting. So <laughs> there you go. Yes, you do, man. You guys are are very knowledgeable with with all what we do here on this kind of stuff and things. Dem dare. Dem dare. <laughs> so we, we um yeah, Andy. Three... I, I know you had another burning question, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we're well, all put three. it out before you ask it. I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> <laughs> we're all three, apparently, you know, collectors. And we were kind of curious as to like what you collected. But it sounds like, you know, turtle stuff, tick stuff. But like, what's your favorite item? A lot of the guys in the group call it their what do they call them, Justin? Their grail mail. Yeah, like, the grails. They've been searching for forever. But like, what is your like favorite item in your entire collection? Anything personal item that you own? Wow. Well, uh, I, I would say that uh, uh, sort of on a general note, 
Um, they're items that have been personally given to me by like the creators of the show. Um, for instance, Ben Edlund uh, did this fantastic drawing of the tick for me. Uh, that's uh, of course a one of a kind, you know, and coming straight from the creator. Uh, that that's, that's pretty nifty. I, um, I'll tell you one of my greatest little treasures and it's this tiny little picture, but it's, um, so I was the voice of Waldo on where's Waldo. Right. Mm -hmm. And Martin Hanford, the guy who, who draws all the where's Waldo books, um, sent me completely unsolicited a thank you present when the show was, uh, finally canceled. And it was a drawing of just Waldo. Um, it was just Waldo, just uh, like a like a portrait of Waldo, um, you know, uh, full length, you know, full head to toe. And but it but it's small, the whole and, and it came matted and framed in this great little frame. And the whole thing is maybe not even seven inches tall and about four inches wide. It, it's it's small, but on the mat, he wrote. Um, thank you for a, something like, thank you for a fantastic job Townsend, uh, uh, we're working on Waldo, you know, and, and then he signed it. So, so it's like those little things, those little treasures, uh, for me are, uh, you know, Kevin Eastman did a, a little Michelangelo for me. Um, so those wow. kinds of things are really my, those are really my treasures. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're collectibles for sure. But they're not collectibles yeah. you're going to buy online or go to Toys R Us and get. Right. Yeah. What about, no, I think what those about are the best Justin? kind. Yeah. Sorry, what? I said, what about you, Justin? What's, what's yours? Uh, you know, I'm actually looking at it right now. I have a page from a comic book that I, I had signed by uh, an artist, uh, Dan Jurgens. He created uh, Booster Gold, who I'm a huge fan of. He's uh, very famous for he did the um, uh, the death of Superman. That was that was all him. He wrote it and he illustrated it. And I got to meet him. And the the cool thing about it was um, here I am. My my kids are with me because I'm taking them to the cons and all that. And um, you know I, I like to pride myself on you know I can be professional. I wasn't trying to be too starstruck. But um, my daughter comes up behind me and goes, "Hey, Dad, tell him your tell him your email is J Booster Gold." And I'm like, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I'll tell you some of my other treasures, uh, and, and truly, uh, are the gifts that I I get from fans at uh, at, com at Comic Cons. Um, very often, people have coming up have come up and 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 given me a drawing that they've done, or maybe it's something they've actually um, handcrafted uh, themselves. I remember I was at a con early on when the tick was uh, still on the air. And somebody came up and and gave me a a replica of Little Wooden Boy. Oh my God, that's amazing <laughs> that they made, which was the best. You know, uh, I was at a, a Transformers convention in England um, a number of years ago, and one of the fans came up to me at this Transformers convention and gave me. He was also a big Ninja Turtles fan. And gave me this pillow that he made that was a green square pillow that had the turtle's breastplate and Mikey's belt on it and and the M. 
in the in the belt oh. buckle, and and it's just a pillow, and that's all it is. There's no face, no head, or anything. It's just it's just mostly just the you know the turtle chest and the belt with the M on it, and and I have that on my shelf in my in my collectible room uh, that I have with a lot of other stuff that fans have given me over the years. So. So those are super treasures for me. Again, to me, they're collectibles just because I'll never get rid of them. Um, right. But, you know, but they're such sweet. Um, uh, uh, it's such sweet memorabilia from from people like you guys who uh, who uh, without you guys, we would never have had a show. Um, you know, and we wouldn't be doing interviews like this and stuff. So, it, I mean, those really are, are the are the treasures for me. That's really funny because mine and you both you both know what it is. Um, Justin definitely um, tells him you might uh, you might not know because, like I said, you, when I when I first reached out to you and uh, you know you probably get fan mail all the time, but Justin had sent me an autographed picture of uh, all four turtles, and you know you were kind enough to have signed it, and it right instantly went out of its packaging into the frame and up on the wall, like. Oh no, kidding! We did one for you. Uh, did one for I. I got this one from something called the Bam Box. Oh right, right, right. So I think Barry did one as well. Um, so I have him as Bebop, and and uh, I kind of uh, was lucky enough to get a hold of one of these, and it was the Turtles one because I think the other one was the Tick. So I got a hold of the Turtles one, and I gave it to Andy for his birthday. But but it's all four turtles signed, or is it just me? No, signed? no, just just you. Yep. Right. Okay. So yeah, I did those for Bambox. Right. Yep. Doesn't doesn't matter how it came into existence. It is here now, and it is like oh. you know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Well, good to hear. Good. To, I've never actually spoken to anybody who got one of these Bamboxes, and I and... get one monthly. Actually, I just got a Paul Sorvino uh, autograph, which was pretty fun. I was like, all right, good fellas, nice. Yeah, that's great. Oh, how about that? Yeah, it's it's interesting stuff with the uh, the the autographs. I, I don't know what the market is for it. If it's you know if they're worse things or anything like that. I just like the oh, idea of getting to meet people else. and get it. Yeah. But uh, but that that leads to my my question here. Um, if you had the ability to go to a con, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, to meet someone who you would want to meet either in the entertainment or sports or music or anything like that, who would be that one person that you would want to meet at like a con, like some of how people meet you now? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. So in a sense, it actually ended up happening. Really? Yeah. Because of course we didn't have cons when I was growing up. Um, but when I was a kid, I was a huge, huge, huge monkeys fan. Oh, wow. And Mickey Dolenz was my favorite monkey as a kid. So I'm 12 years old, right? And totally into the monkeys and was bummed when it got canceled and stuff, but loved their music and yada, yada, yada. So if they had a con back then and the monkeys showed up, I would have been there in a heartbeat um, or the Beatles. But I was actually a bigger monkeys fan than I was a Beatles fan when I was a kid. So then, of course, years later, cut to I book this character of the tick and I go into my, and the thing is that they had actually, they had actually uh, used somebody else uh, for the tick originally for the first episode, decided that they, they wanted a 
change direction. And so they recast and that's when I got it. So they had to re-record the first episode. And so when I went in to record that episode, uh, it was just me and Mickey Dolenz because Mickey was the voice of Arthur at that time. Uh, and Arthur was my sidekick mm. and I was, it was such a surreal moment That's for crazy. me knowing that I was going to not only be working with Mickey Dolenz, somebody who I truly would have paid to go see when I was 12 years old, but, but, but not only was I working with him, he was my sidekick. <laughs> so <laughs> God, it's like, Oh my gosh, how in the world did I end up here? This is incredible. It's, it's so funny. He, um, I saw him walking on the street right next to where I was working in St. Charles, Illinois. I was just like, I rolled down the window. I go, Hey, are you Mickey Dolenz? He's like, yeah, man, <laughs> it was the craziest thing. No, I'm like, man. I just got out of work and I'm just driving home and I'm like, yeah, that's Mickey Dolenz on the side of the street there. <laughs> I wonder what he was doing in St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, he was playing at, there's this uh, great little uh, club called the Arcada. It's of course yeah. not open now due to uh, restrictions and all that, but um, he was playing um, over there. And I think like, like two nights before it was like Ted Nugent or something like that. And then it's, it's him and you get like, like the Edgar winter group or like, you know, all, all kinds yeah, of like, other, right. I, I saw, um, what did I see there? I think we saw, um, what did, uh, John Anderson from yes played. Oh so yeah. That was amazing. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. So that's just, uh, my musical taste, I suppose. But yeah, no, um, that's, that's a great answer because Mickey Dolan's is fantastic. Yeah, no kidding. I was bummed when he had to go on tour uh, when we were getting ready to record the second season of The Tick. And so was unavailable and they needed to get it done. So they ended up having to replace him. And um, thankfully, they replaced him with Rob Paulson, who is a perfect choice for that. And, uh, you know, and so Robbie and I got to uh, work together yet again on another series <laughs> for the, the, the second and third seasons of that. It's so crazy and how these things just uh, like intersect and how there's these projects and you guys are like, oh, yeah, we're doing this again. And, you know, it's great to see your names together, too. I love it, too. It's like when Rob was uh, the voice of Donatello on the 2012 Turtles uh, and, and you know, they uh, they uh, Cyril Nielli and uh, Brandon Almond, they they were such huge uh, Ninja Turtles fans from the original series they wrote those crossover episodes where they brought us original voices back. And we got to do a couple episodes of that as our original characters. And there was that one great episode where Rob, who was Raphael, of course, on the original series, uh, got to do Raphael and Donatello in a scene together, talking to each other. And, <laughs> and, and, and the writing was very funny, you know, uh, something to the effect of, you know, hey, your voice sounds funny. Yeah, well, you don't sound so great yourself. You know, it's uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, it was a very Animaniacs moment, I suppose. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's just awesome. Um, I wanted to ask: Is there anything that you haven't gotten to work on? Maybe like um, some sort of project. It doesn't have to be voice acting; it could be anything. But something that you you'd be kind of looking forward to in your career. Um, goodness. Uh... I want to work for Elon Musk and I want to go to Mars. So there's that. 
Um, That's awesome. <laughs> turtles yeah. in space. <laughs> What's that? Turtles in space? Yeah. Um, it's funny because my, my dad says the exact same thing. He's He tells me that he's been obsessed with Mars like ever since he was a kid and just reading about that and, you know, John Carter of Mars and Barsoom and, you know, the right. Ben Bova books, Red Mars, Blue Mars, like all of those. So. I, I could understand the fascination, absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm 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 such a tech nerd uh, and tech freak. I, I just love what Elon Musk is doing. This guy blows me away, and and he's going to get this Starship, you know, heading up to Mars in just a couple of years. And you know, this thing can is supposed to be able to carry a hundred people, and uh, so I want to I want to be one of those hundred people on a flight to Mars one day. Uh, knowing full well that I probably will never come back, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, that's obviously a, a far-fetched wish. Um, but actually at this point in my career, you know, I've been, I've been so blessed and, and fortunate to be able to do the work that I've, I've done over the years with the animation and the commercial work that I've done and, and the promo work that I've done. Um, but, you know, when I moved out here to L.A., in 1984 from Cleveland, Ohio, my goal, cause I've always done a lot of acting, um, used to do a lot of theater back in Cleveland and I was on the radio for 10 years and, uh, did TV work and modeling work. And I, I, I picked the Ohio lottery numbers on TV every night for a year. I mean, I, I sort of did everything I could do in the entertainment biz in Cleveland uh, before I moved out here. But when I moved out here in 84, I didn't move out here to do voiceovers. And, and, and in fact, cartoons oh, no. wasn't even on Lost my radar, nor was doing network promos. I moved out here to be an on-camera actor. I wanted to do film and TV. And, um, but the voiceover thing just ended up taking off for me because I had done so much voiceover work in Cleveland. And, and I discovered pretty quickly that I gravitated toward the, the voiceover work uh, way more than the on-camera work. And, and uh, boy, I was just beating my head against a wall for two or three years when I first got here, you know, trying to get the on-camera thing going. And it just wasn't happening. And, and even the, the, the little bit of on-camera work that I got, and I'm talking about theatrical, not commercial, because I did a lot of on-camera commercials back then for about five, six years. But the theatrical stuff, trying to get into TV or, or, or movies, um, it was tough. And it was it was a grind and I didn't particularly like the people who were involved in that whole end of the business. Um, mm. And when I got the work and, and it was only just a couple of small things that I got, I found that it was, it was long and tedious and boring uh, work. It wasn't really very satisfying, you know, and I, and I think that maybe I just don't have the attention span for it or something, but, but, but the voiceover work was just taken off for me. And so I finally thought, you know, just go with what works and forget the stuff that doesn't. And so I just quit even pursuing the on-camera uh, theatrical stuff altogether. Well, now at this point in my career, I've been doing the VO thing for so long that I feel like, and I'm at retirement, I'm 66 years old, you know, so, so, and I'm nowhere near retiring. I have way too much energy. <laughs> I've got way too much uh you know, juice to, to keep on doing something, you know? So I'm thinking as this voiceover thing has slowed down for me so much, I mean, the only ongoing gig that I have right now, the only daily uh, voiceover work that I do is I voice the promos for live with Kelly and Ryan, um, uh, the 
Ryan Seacrest and Kelly Ripa nice. talk show on ABC in the mornings. And so th- that, you know, that pays the bills and it keeps me going. I work from home. It's great. Um, but I, I still kind of have this sort of nagging, I think, desire to maybe still try and pursue the on-camera thing. So maybe as in my quote-unquote retirement, which I don't <laughs> think is ever going to happen, um, I might try, you know, pursuing the, the on-camera thing some and um, see if that can take me anywhere. And if not, that's fine. You know, it's cool. I'll, I'm happy just doing what I'm doing. And uh, but, and I'm kind of serious about Elon Musk. I've got some ideas. I've been sort of a, a, a hapless inventor in my life. I've got a lot of great ideas, but never do anything with them. And then I see somebody else years later come up with the actual product that I invented in my mind years before. And so I've got some ideas that I would actually love to run by Elon Musk and, and, and kind of sort of half kidding serious about, you know, just emailing him out of the blue and saying, Hey, so I've got this idea. Here's who I am. This is what I've done. And this is why I want to work with you. And you'd be surprised how often that works. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, Andy, I, I, yeah. I get it. I hear these stories of people doing that. And so who knows, maybe, you know, in another couple of years, you guys might see my name, you know, coupled with, uh, with Elon Musk somehow, but who knows? So, so in that sense, you're saying that maybe you identify a bit more with Donatello. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so funny, but yes, I, in my, in my in my sort of downtime when it's just me, uh, I love tinkering and, and inventing and creating things and making things and solving problems, you know, with, you know, with sort of chewing gum and, and duct tape. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we sort of in, in my real life, way more uh, Donatello than Michelangelo. It's funny because we've always noticed that you, you tend to identify with one particular turtle, but Absolutely. that's not necessarily who you're like. Like right. I've always been a Leonardo guy because he's the ideal of what I'd like to be like, but I'm very much Michelangelo. It's how about that? Even... Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's great. I always Andy's ask, just Mikey, all yeah, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. When, when I, I always ask fans, you know, who their favorite turtle is, or they'll just flat out tell me. And, and a lot of times this is what I get. They'll say, now, Mr. Coleman, don't don't take this personally, but Raphael is my favorite. I'm like, dude, that's fine. That's that's great. What do you like about Raphael? And then they'll go into this whole spiel about what they see in Raphael in his character, uh, you know, that they identify with and love so much. And that fascinates me. I love hearing that stuff. That's yeah, funny, it's, it's so interesting. Someone's got to write a book about these uh, psyches, you know. <laughs> Yeah, my right. Whole family thinks that I'm some kind of like computer whiz. Like, you know, I just push buttons until it either breaks worse or like it's fixed. You know, like I, I'm not this great technological wizard, but it's like, yeah, it's like Mikey has always been my favorite. But, you know, purple was my favorite color. So, you know, if I could just switch to bandanas around, we'd be all kinds of in business. Right. <laughs> I'm just well, too they, much of a goof. Well, they should come out with, they should, yeah, Playmates should come out with a, a set of all four turtles, like, uh, like sewer swapping turtles where you can change their bandanas and their belts and, and, and stuff. <laughs> and you could put a purple one on Michelangelo. I like this idea. I feel like we should run with that. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Absolutely. Well, um, Andy, I, I think I only have one more question. I wasn't sure if you had any others. My, my question, and you may have already asked it, uh, you may have already answered it, uh, Townsend, but um, what music do you think Michelangelo would listen to? Well, I think Michelangelo would be totally 70s, dude. Yeah, like Beach Boys. and Beach, yeah, yeah. Beach Boys. Not David Gates and Bread. But, no? No, but probably, like, he would dig Yes, Yes, and he would dig, like, um, definitely Three Dog Night, and he'd love the monkeys, too. So, yeah, I think definitely, like, 70s, maybe some late 60s, and but in early 70s but through the 70s yeah for sure like it'd be oh, I totally love, i love the idea that he's listening to these you know he's, like he's up late at night listening here's the stories and song tellers you can get these three cds with all these songs like <laughs> yeah they're totally far out i love it oh my all right andy well, i know you had you had another question why don't you uh yeah. I've got the the bomb question, the one that always Uh-oh. hangs everyone up. This is the Uh-oh. one I ask every week. Um, I call it uh, the the segment we call positively radical. Um, and, and 2020 has just been such a downer. We like to end on a high Why? note. Like week on a high note. What's with 2020? <laughs> I think 2020 has been great. Well, I tell you, we could definitely use the tick this year. So In, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, we need to hear I'll tell you, uh, chum, if, uh, excuse me. But, What'd uh, you say, Andy? No, sorry. Um, we, we want to know what your most cowabunga moment ever was. Like the best, best day ever. Best day ever. You mean in my life or as Michelangelo or. In, in your personal life, what is your personal best day ever? Oh man. That's really putting me on the spot. I, I think probably the day my first daughter was born uh, is the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, yeah. And then each of my kids, I've got four kids. So when each of them were born was probably uh, right up there as, as the, as the premier highlights of my life. And I, I hear what you're saying too, about that first one, because for me, that was like, um, that was just like an epiphany sort of moment where I realized I was an adult. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. And I was, and, and, <laughs> yeah. And I was young too. I mean, I got married when I was 20 and our first child was born a month after our first anniversary. So I was 21 <laughs> when she was born and I felt so mature. I felt so grown up, you know, I felt like I totally got this, you know, but when, when I saw her for the first time, and she came out and I was just, I was weeping <laughs> and I just, I was so overcome with emotion and the weight of this moment that I was responsible, you know, along with my wife for this, for this, this new human being. It was, <laughs> it was overwhelming to me, but in a good way. Uh, so that, yeah, oh, I, I would I say that that's it. I can honestly only imagine uh, the closest I've come because, you know, me and me and the missus have just decided that children are not mm-hmm. they're not in the cards for us. Yeah, uh, we're just not we're not parent people, but uh, we do have a niece. And and I'm telling you what, I I've never loved <laughs> you, know, you don't have to, you know, I mean, it's like. She's um, my niece through, you know, marriage, not by blood, but uh, 
she came over and, you know, was running around the house and, you know, just doing what kids do. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, is this what I was like as a child? Like, and she wants someone to carry her to the car. So of course I'm elected. Um, and you know, the newfangled car seats, you know, not having to put my own kid in the car ever. I'm like, how do I put you in here? And the honesty of this child, she goes, I don't know. You just put me in. Right. So, so I put her in and then we're like, okay, you know, bye. And she's like, no, nah. she's like, I, I want a hug. And, you know, her mom goes, you know, from who? And she points at me and I'm like, okay. And she goes, give me a kiss. And I said, no, baby, I don't do, I, Uncle Andy does not do kisses. And I leaned down to buckle her in and she kissed my forehead and it just, <laughs> it, it broke my heart. I'm like, oh my God, this kid, wow. this kid has just touched a part of my heart that I didn't know was there. And it's like, just man. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, and, and it never gets old. I mean, my kids, of course, are are grown and uh, married with their own kids now. I got six grandkids. Um, oh wow! But, but it mm. never, it never, it it never goes away. It never changes. My love from for my kids are is as deep and probably deeper than than ever before. You know, and and the, I remember when my oldest daughter she went off to college, and and again I was weeping. I thinking that my <laughs> job as a dad was over. You know, when it, when in fact, come to find out that, no, it's not only not over, but in a way they sort of need you more as they get older uh, and, and the in relationship changes. Yep, for sure. In different ways, because that's how I am with my father. Like when I moved out, you know, me and my father became closer after I moved out than we ever were um, living together. And yeah. I'll never forget the phone call. My mom just goes about things backwards she goes your father's in the hospital i went oh maybe and she goes and he's okay but he had a heart attack right and i'm like oh well yeah, i'm glad he's okay but it was like someone had shot superman like you know yeah. your dad is this you know yep. this vulnerable you know your first hero is your father yep. and it was at a funeral and you go you know okay you know you're going to carry the casket your dad's right there beside you and then i lost it at that point and she's like what's wrong i said you know he's over there and he's crying and now I know it's okay to cry. I said, but what happens when he's gone? Who's yeah. going to let me know that it's okay to cry then? And it's yeah. like, you know, at that point, it's like, you know, men, men cry. Heroes can cry. You know, everybody, mm -hmm. everybody has that Achilles heel. Everybody has that weakness. And apparently for men, it is their, it is their baby, <laughs> baby girl, baby boy, whatever have it. You know, it's, it's yep. your kids. Your kids are your weakness. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just watch old episodes of The Tick with my dad, so I can't really comment. <laughs> No, <laughs> no I, I i couldn't agree with you guys more a absolutely I, I owe i owe i do i owe my fandom to the turtles i owe this very moment here to my parents who like i said for whatever reason saw the turtles and went you know what the, the kid will like it let's get him a cereal bowl that's so, so great out of the mikey bowl watching 87 cartoons that's that's my best day. That's not literally my best day ever. But if I could go back and like, you know, redo something, it would be Saturday morning cartoons again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell of, you, strong contenders today. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to uh, see you guys again at these. Uh, I, I know they're doing uh, some of the virtual ones, like the Wizard Worlds and all that. But um, right. I will definitely be there. Uh, if you guys come back to Chicago, I'll be there with bells on. Cool. So, uh, you know, you'll know me. I'm the guy with bells. All so. right. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, we if, if, if that ever happens and I get a chance to meet either of you guys, please, of course, come up and make sure you introduce yourselves again and, and, uh, 
and remind me of uh, of our talk today. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, and, and it's been uh, it's been great having you. Um, Thanks, we wanted man. to ask if it was possible if um, we we do this one ser- um, we do this one segment called Mikey Moment. Um, yeah. Would it be possible to ask you to introduce Andy for the Mikey Moment? Sure. So, so Andy, um, what do we usually say? And now for your Mikey moment of the week, uh, Mr. Andy Doyle. Yeah, and you use that uh, broke up Cowabunga clip. So if we can get if we can get that and a live one, it just like wait, uh, get get. So uh, you you need two different ones. Um, no, I no, Andy, we we don't need a, a different one. No, yeah, just all all one thing, and we'll just play it, you know, forever. <laughs> okay, but so tell me again what I need to say. And now with your Mikey moment of the week, here's Andy Doyle. And then you can say Kawabunga if, if it okay. is. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you ready? Oh, yeah. And we're going. Here we go. All right, dudes. And now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Kawabunga! Whoa. That was awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure, you guys. Great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. You're I, right there, Andy? Yeah, no, you know how it gets. Like, <laughs> That's so awesome. Good for you. Tara, Tara laughs at me every time. When the band box came, I cried. And when That's... you messaged me back, I was I was getting ready for bed. And I screen capped. I screen capped and sent it to Justin. I was like, Justin, look who just wrote me. And he's like, bull spit. Uh... <laughs> I swear he did. Like, no, you're, you're you're too kind, Townsend. I mean, seriously, and and you've been an absolute pleasure, and just letting me get to talk about Fraggle Rock, and I'm beaming after all this TikTok and all that. I I truly appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Are you kidding? I'm the one who's privileged to be talking to you guys. So thank you. Thanks for setting this up, and I sure appreciate it. All right, dudes, and now with your Mikey moment of the week. Here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. Cowabunga, dudes. It's time for your Mikey moment of the week. Can you believe that Mr. Coleman actually came on the show and was nice enough to share some of his very own epic tales with us? That's so much cooler than that time Michelangelo met Chris Bradford, who turned out to be a total foot, and then he mutated into some dog thing. And then Razar. Well, till next week, dudes. Remember, be epic to each other. Cowabunga, dudes! It's pizza time. And now in a segment we like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. Cowabunga, dudes! It's time for a most epic pizza recipe! This recipe comes directly from Michelangelo himself! Mr. Townsend Coleman! So, this recipe is called Olive Fingers. What you're gonna do is take the black olives and just cram them right down on your fink- Wait a second! I- My three fingers are too fat! I can't get them in the olives, dude! Well, maybe you guys have better luck than I will. Uh, enjoy! Bon appetit!
Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman or Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This show is a fantastic podcast production in association with Amalgamania LLC. Be sure to check out the other shows on the like the Amalgacast, the Amalgafiles, and the Epic Tales podcast. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and features Andy Doyle. <laughs> Are you looking for a gift for the nostalgic nerd in your life? Try a candle from the Euphoric Tree Fort. Nostalgic novelty gifts for nerds. From birthdays to holidays, or just because, waft these smell-o-vision candles with fragrances from your favorite shows such as... Bob's Burgers, Simpsons, Dr. Seuss, Rick and Morty, Futurama, Adventure Time, Harry Potter, James and the Giant Peach, The Nightmare Before Christmas... Coraline, The Rugrats, Steven Universe, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Z, One Punch Man, Pokemon, Death Note, and Fairly Odd Parents. These soy candles won't gunk up your walls because they're dye-free, cruelty-free, and soot-free. Also, free souvenirs in every order over $20 and free shipping on orders over 75 With exciting scents like Nog, featuring eggnog and brandy, Christmas in Whoville, Fir tree, peppermint bread, and sugar plum, truffula tree, butterfly milk, and birch tree, mmm, donuts, donuts and pink icing, and the ever-popular Macon Bacon Pancakes, featuring bacon and buttermilk pancake and maple. They say that smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and if these candles don't make you nostalgic, nothing will. And remember, if you use promo code ETFS10, you'll get a discount. Check out the website, euphorictreefort.com, for smell-o-vision candles and nostalgic gifts. Don't forget to use our code. Hi, everyone. This is Justin from the Fantastic Podcast. It's a show all about fan experiences from the things that we love. So whether it's your favorite musician, your favorite actor, maybe it could be about your favorite sports team, or maybe just uh, someone that you spent time with watching something that you loved when you were a kid. These are the kind of stories that we talk about. We uh, usually do a couple stories, and uh, it's a shorter podcast, so you can listen to it on lunch at work. So please check us out at the Fantastic Podcast. You can find us where most podcasts are found. You can also find us on social media. Thanks a lot, and check out the Fantastic Podcast. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. (laughs) Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con is back at Mohegan Sun on July 30th to August 1st. Meet actors and superheroes. Shop for cool stuff. It's three days of Comic-Con fun. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con at Mohegan Sun, July 30th through August 1st. Learn more at Terrificon.com. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. 
It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. 